Welcome to the Free Birth Society podcast. This is a radical space for women who are ready to celebrate their autonomous choices in birth, motherhood, and beyond. Together, we'll learn about wild birth through personal narrative, we'll explore the politics of birth, and we'll analyze everything that relates to our lives as women from a feminist perspective. Here's your host, Emily Saldea. It's been a wild freedom Today I'm bringing you a very special episode with the infamous and highly esteemed guest and my best friend, Yolanda Norris-Clark. Together, we share our origin story of becoming friends over the internet and how we chose from two different countries to join forces to change the world. We share about the early stages of dreaming up the Radical Birthkeeper School and the lessons we've learned along the way. We also get into our thoughts about making money, our numerous collective and individual supposed public scandals, and how they've been entirely for us. And we talk about the difference between authentic midwifery attended birth and free birth. The Radical Birthkeeper School is now open for enrollment. So check us out at RadicalBirthkeeperSchool.com. Enjoy. Hey, we're back again. We've got a fun little topic today. We realized somewhat recently that we had never explicitly shared the origin story of, well, both our friendship and our incredible school, the Radical Birthkeeper School. And so we're going to do that today. I think you are easily my most um, uh, popular guest, the one I've had on the most, Obvi. And it's also because you're my best friend. So yes, I thought it would be so cute to tell our origin story because I do think it's an inspirational tale. Well, mostly for me, that <laughs> of, of how I got you to like me and become my friend and, and do business ventures together. But it really is, you know, it's, a, it's an incredible it's an incredible example of what happens when women choose to collaborate and when women uh, take their different geniuses and complement each other and support each other. And, um, you know, it hasn't been without its bumps and bruises, of course, because it's a normal relationship. Um, but I thought that would be maybe somewhat interesting to talk about, yeah, the beginnings of how we came to be and then how we came to create this incredible program that is changing so many women's lives, not just the students who take it, but the ripples out of all of these families and women that our students are serving, which I just couldn't be yeah, more proud of. Yeah, it's so incredible. I was actually just thinking this morning in preparation for this chat that we've really come so far. We've achieved so much and we're now seeing our graduates 
achieving so much in their communities. And it really is so inspiring and hopeful and yeah, delightful. And the first round was only last year. Right. I kind of realized that yesterday when I was talking to one of our graduates, Saima, and that she had only, it's only been a year and a half since the first round. But I guess because we're heading into our fifth, it feels like it's been years. And I also was remembering when I was thinking about this too, I was remembering how right before we launched the first time, just how terrified we were and how yeah. nauseous. Ugh. Like if we get five students, then you know we can we cannot feel like complete losers. Well, I think it was ten. We had we had we still have uh, what what we call not a loser status, and that is we decided in the first round, which it still maintains that we're not losers if we get ten students. And I have less or actually no real fear about it anymore heading into our fifth fifth round enrolling now with our fifth, but. Oh my God. Yeah. Last spring. I remember exactly where I was in Denver, in that rental house, in the kitchen, just like waiting to see the first order to come in. And then remember when I made the huge mistake and I misread, I misread. Okay. So for anyone who has Kajabi, you will know what I'm talking about, but in the platform where we sell the course, there's offers, right. And all the different offers, the different payment plans and all of that. And so I misread the offers as sales. I guess that's all I really need to say about it. And so when I went in and looked on my phone after we had put out enrollment, um, I thought that we had got one of each because every offer was showing up, which now is so stupid <laughs> to admit because I actually know how to use Kajabi, but I was very new to Kajabi at that time. So I texted Yolanda and you were in DR. You I was at the airport. I was in the airport <laughs> with my family. And this was when, this was like the weekend that Rona hit as yeah. well. So everything was kind of bizarre. Yeah. No, that's not true. Sorry, we were coming back from our first trip to DR. Sorry, never mind that. But we were in the airport. And when you texted me to tell me that we had made all these sales, I screamed and like jumped up and down and did a oh, little dance. Yeah, you like celebrated with your family on the lie that we had just okay but to be fair it it was true eventually but you know that's so interesting because I think actually there was something about like being able to feel that success fully that like prepped me for when it became true <laughs> not not long into the future <laughs> and why wasn't it a red flag that we got one of each like every, well, you didn't know that this was completely on me because I was just relaying the info to you. Oh yeah. That was, I felt when I realized the mistake and realized that no one had enrolled and I had just misread the offers and I had told you, and you were like crying in the airport with your family celebrating. I thought I was going to die. I was so embarrassed and felt so, I mean, just sick. And I remember being like, I called you and was like, I have to tell you something. No, I remember you were so apologetic. You were, <laughs> you were so apologetic. It was so Thank God it turned into being real. And now mm -hmm. we have sold many, 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 many spots. And it all worked out. But yes, I hear you. It is, it is, it's like the, like how people do the Wonder Woman thing in the mirror and prep themselves. It was a mm -hmm. false, it was a false, but, but helpful mm -hmm. expansion.
You know, I, I came across it was some kind of meme or something on Instagram, something like that recently that I, I wish I had it in front of me, but it was something along the lines of, you know, don't be envious or jealous of her. Realize that she's showing you that it's possible. Mm-hmm. And it's so sweet to be able to share these stories with our students because a lot of them are like creating their first offers and creating their first programs. And, you know, they have a lot of fear about whether or not they can get those first six, you know, clients or six mm-hmm. students ever. And yeah, it's, it is really, it's really lovely to be in this position where we can genuinely say to our students, you can absolutely do this and to show them the roadmap. Right, we're living proof. Right, there's nothing uniquely special other than the fact that we decided we were going to do it and then worked our asses off. That's it, right? It's it's actually that easy. That is the formula. It makes me think of that Sister Morningstar quote. It's she means it in the context of birth, but it's the same thing. What one woman can do, all women can do. Yeah. Okay, so let's tell the story of how we became friends because it's very cute and weird. And I also think it truly is a very important and inspirational story, uh, particularly told through my lens of, of, you know, kind of like rising up essentially. And the last thing I'll say before I tell it of, of just to, to that meme you just shared, which I love so much. I mean, it really is a, a choice to see the world like that and to look at the women that inspire you and know that they are literally paving the way for what is now possible for you. And that is allyship, that is sisterhood, that is community, that is everything that we wanna see in the world. And I do think that healthy competition, or or I do think competition can be healthy and I think it can also be toxic depending on your orientation to it. So competition can happen in a state of allyship or it can happen in a state of comparison. And now we all do this, right? Of course, we compare ourselves to others. It's it's totally fine. Um, But how, how lightly can you hold it when you do it is, to my mind, like the game, like, yeah, of course I'll catch myself comparing myself to others. Um, and, you know, I have the tools and the, and the, the commitment to return to my own business very, very, very quickly because uh, that's where I'm productive, right? I'd rather be in my business because I got shit to do. And that's one of the fun things in the school is talking about integrity and that one of the aspects of integrity is Um, devoting your whole being to what you're here to do. And when you do that, you actually don't have time. You literally don't have time in the day to get wrapped up in someone else's business, you know, and the people who are wrapped up in our business are not rocking their businesses, you know, and sad for them, you know, anyone who's up in our stuff and up in gossip about us or you, or if you're listening anywhere that you're wrapped up in somebody else's stuff and where you're spending the time comparing yourself to someone else and looking at their stuff and feeling jealous and, you know, feeling shitty or catty about them. That is literally draining you from being the, the thing in those women that you're actually attracted to. I mean, it's, it's so interesting what, what creative energy is wasted by spending a lot of time in that comparison, you know, inferior position. Okay, so let's shift. And I'm gonna tell the story from my perspective and then you can fill in. I've actually never heard it from your perspective because I always tell it obviously from mine. 
So I'm going to go back to, I was living in LA and as I'm sure most of you know, who listen to the podcast, I was a doula. I was over it and I was wanting to begin the process of getting pregnant and trying to figure out who I was in midwifery. I had started and stopped a bunch of medical midwifery schools and God, I just felt lost. I felt really, um, I don't know if lost is actually the right word. I felt confused. I knew that I wanted to attend birth. I knew that I was on the path of, of what I now would call authentic midwifery, but I couldn't find the damn road. I couldn't find it. Everywhere I started, um, you know, wound up with women telling me that you have to finger everybody in labor and that, God, I remember one time going to a, a medical midwifery training, but it was, it was pitched as you know, like elder sitting in a rocking chair, uh, uh, you know, it was Robbie, Robbie, uh, no, not Robbie, um, Elizabeth Davis. And so you, the, one of the first things that you do is you learn out of some medical book, how to insert your fingers into a woman's vagina, and then how to feel for both ovaries, and then how to check to see if their um, pelvis basically is big enough to give birth. And it just, and then, and then you practiced it on each other and you actually got, you know, you got on your back and, and did it anyway. So I was at this point of just being totally confused and feeling like no path made any freaking sense to me. Um, I was already attending births outside the system, but I hadn't really told anybody because it was like, so not allowed. And it felt so freaking edgy and like this whole new terrain anyway. So that's kind of the setup for me. Uh, all of the mentors that I had had up until that point, I had cut ties with because they were all medical midwives and doulas, you know, and I just knew I was trying to leave the system, but I didn't know the clear path. So that's my setup. And I start listening to Marin Green's podcast, Taking Back Birth. And um, she starts to give me language that I didn't have. I didn't know it was called free birth. I didn't know um, you know, birth without a medical provider was, was called free birth. Now, to be clear, I was not attending free birth. I was attending birth outside the system, but really I was playing the role of what we would now say is authentic midwifery, but I didn't have that all figured out yet. So I was listening to a podcast in my kitchen um, and it was Marin Green and this Canadian woman with this sweet, gentle voice of Yolanda Clark, Yolanda Norris Clark. And I had never heard of you before. I didn't know anything about you. And the episode had horrible um, reception. It was barely audible. And <laughs> I remember almost turning it off because it was such bad connection. And anyway, but I gave it a try because I wanted to see, it was something about calling yourself. Um, God, I remember, I wish I could remember what term you used because it wasn't radical birth keeper it, and it wasn't midwife, but there was something that caught my eye about it. Anyway, long story short, I get introduced to you and you, you know, did your normal, incredible, articulate, mind blowing stuff. And you were putting words to work. I was literally doing and didn't know anyone else was out there doing it. And you already because you'd been doing it for so much longer, you had already pieced together all of this stuff that always oh, made me cry. I felt so alone. I felt so fucking alone and was like, 
trying to just be good with these families and not, you know, not, um, uh, what's the word, you know, replicate these harmful models. But I literally knew no birth workers who were also trying to do that. And I would go to these doula meetups or these um, peer review stuff with the, with the medical midwives, because I was an apprentice at the time, and I'd try to talk about it. And I would just get completely shut down and gaslit and pushed aside. And I would literally have women move away from me at events if I was talking about birth without medical providers. And anyway, it was a really lonely and confusing time. So you coming in through this terrible reception into my kitchen on my speaker was like a huge, I mean, obviously it changed the trajectory of, of both of our lives eventually, but it was a big deal. And it gave me language and it gave me hope. It felt like, oh, there's like just this other beautiful woman in this other country doing basically the same stuff. And so I was all lit up and I find you on uh, Facebook and I send you a message and I'm so excited <laughs> and I send you some message. I, I wish I, I don't have Facebook anymore. I wonder what it said, but I remember it saying something like, I just discovered you. I love you. <laughs> like where, and I remember specifically saying, we're going to become best friends, <laughs> which is arguably a pretty strong thing to say to a stranger, but I knew it was true. <laughs> and so I said something very strong like that. Cause that's my personality. And I said, like, I just found you on the podcast. I love everything you're saying. I'm doing a lot of the same work and we're going to become best friends. Do you remember what you said back to me? I don't remember specifically what I said back to you, <clears throat> excuse me, or what I wrote back to you, but I definitely remember receiving that message and just feeling like, okay, okay. Whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> a little bit, but it wasn't, it wasn't, you know, I've received quite a few. Mm. You can say it. <laughs> you can say it. Well, you were, I didn't know, but you were this like, I mean, it's obviously much bigger now, but you were, what is the word? Like, I had a very hat hand girls. You had like a little corner. It's way bigger now, but you had a very specific little corner of the birth scene for sure. I did. Yeah. And, you know, I'd had quite a few people reach out in ways that were a little much over the years. <laughs> but I definitely remember reading that specific aspect you know that 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 little section of, of the message in particular this <laughs> this kind of um yeah prediction or or I mean I you I have since discovered that you are a master manifester and right. you really created that I was definitely skeptical and I I, I think I think I responded to you in a very sort of like polite Canadian sort of oh, yeah. like, it's really nice to thank you for reaching out, you know? Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. But I was really like, no. And you know, I'm kind of hard to- mm -hmm. Tough hmm. nut to crack. A little bit of a tough nut to crack. Yeah. I like to have my, you know, my- Totally. Yeah. So, yeah, I thought you were nuts. I thought you were nuts and, and um, I, I figured this would be another one of those like short conversations where I would say, nice, nice to chat with you. Have a nice life. Bye-bye. And 
no, you absolutely persisted. And it really didn't take long for me to completely fall in love with you. And, you know, this is such an important story, especially for women who are wanting to create something um, with their, their skills, their talents, their, their, you know, wanting to, to, to really bring a vision into reality because it does take sisterhood and collaboration. And I very quickly recognized that you were for real and that I like quite loved you as well, but also that you, you actually had so much value to bring to my life. In, in a very real way and so much value to bring to the world of, of birth and insert a woman. Yeah, but it, I think it took longer than you might be remembering. I'm pretty sure it took like six months because, mm-hmm. yeah, because it was back in LA when I found you and sent you that message and you were pregnant with Xanthi and because you birthed Xanthi and posted those pictures on your blog when I was still in LA. Anyway, it's funny how I track this, but I remember exactly where I was because I was staying at my girlfriend's house, attending my last round of births before I left LA and Johnny was already up North and I was showing her your pictures and the blog and being like this chick, (laughs) this chick and being really into it. And so I think it took longer than you might be remembering because it was way before the Free Birth Society stuff had started when I first reached out and, and exactly, you were very polite and very like, no, okay, <laughs> totally. And you were totally polite and definitely like did not instigate any sort of connection back. But I get that, like, of course not. What, what would distinguish me from any other random person online fangirling? And so I was totally aware of that, which is also my personality to be very playful about it and be like, you just wait and see. And I had something brewing, but I didn't totally have it figured out yet. So then I go, to India for the winter. And I kind of did this like whole last journey by myself before I wanted to come home and get pregnant. And so I go do that. And when I come back in the early spring is when I am basically coming home with clarity. And then I'm going to start this podcast. I'm going to transition my, I'm going to fully leave LA and I'm going to fully transition to coaching online and get pregnant and focus on my own free birth. And I was about to say wild pregnancy, but I didn't know that term yet. No one knew that term yet because you made it up and you hadn't taught me that term yet. And so I didn't know really, or maybe I had just figured it out from getting, you know, starting to read all your blogs and and getting familiar with you and and your podcast and all that. So then once the, once the podcast, I remember writing you again and being like, Hey, me again (laughs) and being like I'm going to be starting a podcast it's going to be sharing free birth stories I'd love to have you on it and you being like okay you know but still not trying to be my friend and I just kept hitting you up and I just kept letting you know to the point of of like it takes guts to put yourself out there and to create collabs with people that you admire and I just kept reaching out to you and letting you know what I was doing and letting you know how you could basically be a part of it. And I'm no fool. I also know how to pitch something so that it's mutually beneficial. Right. And so we, you know, kind of had a casual, like literally just Facebook messaging each other. And then I got pregnant, the podcast launches. I start the Facebook group that kind of all blows up pretty quickly. 
And so you're now a part of the group and contributing there. You also had your, your own group, but you were a part of mine too. And this is all before the complete guide inception and all of that. Um, anyway, but then I specifically, where I'm going with this is I specifically remember somehow, God, it would be fun to go back on our Facebooks and look, but I remember specifically this one time and I was home alone. I was already pregnant in California before Hawaii. And I, for some, some reason, I don't know how I convinced you to do a zoom call with me, but we did a zoom call and it was supposed to just be like a chat. And we talked for six hours and it was the first time we ever talked and I was in my little tiny office and we were only supposed to talk for like a half hour. And yeah, we talked for literally six hours, which in retrospect, how was that possible? <laughs> Where was everyone? <laughs> Thank you so much for, for laying all this out because I feel really embarrassed now. You're absolutely right. I, I now vaguely remember that you did reach out like months earlier. Almost a like, year, probably. Even really, I was yeah. just like, it's just another, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, I yeah. wasn't until I wasn't, right? The only difference was I knew that I was going to become your best friend. Like I knew when I heard you on her podcast, I knew I could feel that, and this is part of why I wanted to share this story, you know, on, on the air, I knew that we were going to be very important to each other. But one of the reasons I knew that was I was willing to have that, you know? Mm -hmm. And I'm pretty well worked on expanding, you know, my, my stuff and stepping, you know, more and more and having confidence and being willing to have stuff and be willing to have success and da 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 da. And I wasn't new to, like business, you know, I mean, I had already run three different businesses. I had already stopped, you know, started a nonprofit. I had been on my own since I was 16. And so I've been like working relationships and, you know, having important people in my life, you know, obviously the whole time, because that's how I survived and that's how I had success. And so there was something, yeah, so, so resonant, but it was more than just like, oh, I'm going to read everything she does. And I'm going to like buy her book when it comes out. It was, oh, this is going to become this person's going to be like my wife, <laughs> my birth wife, you know? And, but it took me kind of figuring out how to be in reciprocity with you around the enormous mentorship and gifts that you have brought into my life, you know, consistently. But in that first year, like your willingness to, you know, take me under your wing and, explain stuff to me that no one had ever taught me before, like about the harms of trans ideology. And God, I remember in that first year reaching out to you because I was running the, the Facebook group and, you know, of course the trans ideology stuff had gotten brought up and I was getting my first waves of like, it's toxic to police a space by genitals. And I was confused, you know, not confused about should males be involved in the space. I knew I only wanted females, of course, but confused about how to hold that in leadership, you know, and I had never really done online stuff. It had all been in person, which of course, side note, we never want to forget that when this stuff is addressed in person, people aren't fucking assholes to each other, right? Like I had ran a nonprofit where the trans stuff had gotten brought up 
and it was all good how it was handled and respectful and, and loving and did it and still had boundaries. And, you know, we still, um, it was a nonprofit for women anyway. So I remember reaching out to you and there was a thread that was blowing up around basically the argument was, and this is still what we hear from liberal feminists. And I, I was a part of it too, this way of thinking, cause it was pre-investigation was what's it, what's it matter to me? If, if a man wants to say he's a woman, it doesn't take anything away from me. And I remember repeating that to you and going, could you help me with this? Because this is where I'm at, but it feels like there's a lot more that I need to understand because now that I'm in a leadership position, I am being constantly asked on my position. And I don't really know other than it, it doesn't really bother me, but I also know, meaning it doesn't bother me to say at that point, it didn't bother me to say, um, men give birth or, um, men or women, you know, I had never really investigated it, but at the same time, what I was coming up against was I was running in a female only space. So inevitably I was going to be in the fire about that. Anyway, that was, that was a huge, when I look back on, you know, all the many, many, many things that you have taught me and helped me work out your willingness to break it down and explain it and share resources and share other writers and speakers and just, it changed my fucking life. I remember that actually. And I remember having to take a deep breath and going like, can we, is, which way is this friendship going to go? Sure. <laughs> because yeah, if, if, uh, I mean, it's not to say that, yeah, I just, it's, it's hard to be close with someone when, um, there's a fundamental discrepancy in how we perceive reality. But it, this brings up a really important point, I think for all women who are already arrived, you know, at well thought out, um, you know, yeah, concepts and why they might stand against them or with them or whatever is the willingness that you had to be patient and explain it. And my willingness to like, take it on and, and think it out for myself and find, you know, where I was and, and was totally in alignment with everything you said. I mean, that helped me that helped me become who I am. And it, I just needed someone to break it down, right? And that's like, that's what a big sister does. Like that's the point of having, I hate to say you're older, but you are having older, not very much, but having big sisters, having older sisters to be like, oh yeah, I've already figured this out. I've already gone down this road and I'm willing to explain to you how I arrived there. And so instead of, cause I feel you and of course, yeah, like also who has the time. And I, I also feel like an impatience of like that in myself. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's not even, it's not even that, you know, we can't be friends with people who, with whom we disagree. That's not it. It's that so many of these issues um, are so touchy and difficult. And I have, I have been um, dropped as a friend by others. Oh, yeah don't share the perspective that, that I that I share so um but no I think you're absolutely right and there's something just so I love 
talking about these challenging issues. I love breaking them down. I love the, yeah, I love the debate. And this is so much of what we offer in the school as well. It's, you know, we're touching on all of these. I mean, because you know, gender ideology is really wrapped up in birth. It's totally relevant to birth. These are issues that intersect on multiple, multiple levels. And so, yeah, I mean, it's, it's pretty intrinsic to an understanding of how birth works, not only in terms of physiology, but also the politics of birth to acknowledge that biological sex is um, an important classification. And I think if I, if I hadn't have been in a leadership position already, I wouldn't have been as uh, committed to figuring out how I think about it. It was like, I need to know how I think about this because I need to know how to deal with what's coming up in the space, which pushed me into a new level, you know, into a new arena of critical thought that I think most women don't have to go there because they're not in leadership positions. And so it's easy to just not care. It's easy to stay at the surface level, which I admit I was at of like, yeah, what's the matter? It's fine. Yeah. I don't care. Live your life. Do you, I don't care. That was really as far as I had. And it was, yeah, it wasn't until I was getting hate mail and being harassed to like declare my position that I was like, Oh damn, I got to get real clear on how to talk about this. And you, you helped me get there, you know, and not just about that, but surrogacy and, um, you know, licensed midwifery. I mean, so much, so, 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 so much. And what all of this comes down to is, is language and how we use language and how language shapes our reality. And that's such a core component in, in every aspect of, of all of it. Um, and language is how belief comes into being and belief is what makes our lives makes us who we are. Yeah. so to keep going with the story i figured out how to make myself valuable to you <laughs> beyond being an friend <laughs> best friend you've ever had i'm sure but also how to make us a bunch of money <laughs> and yeah so that was a really that was a really cool blossoming of our friendship and realizing in your willingness to basically teach me. I mean, you essentially saved me from liberal feminism, <laughs> but it's true. Like I was a good liberal feminist living in LA. I was righteous as fuck. I had not, I never resonated with the like sex work as empowerment because I had already done so much activism and anti-sex trafficking. And if you understand anything about global female oppression and the role of child and, and women sex trafficking, you can't also be like, yeah, pole dancing, cam girling, empowerment, you can't do it, no. And so I never like totally went along with all the values, um, but I really mostly was a good liberal feminist and just being completely brainwashed by LA liberalism, you know, completely. You know, the whole trajectory of how the birth world has really bought in to liberal feminism in almost every shape and form is really interesting. Like, we're not really getting any pushback anymore for standing up for women's biology and, and, and uh, the rights of female body, whatever, the whole thing, right? Um, 
that's not an issue anymore. And in fact, women come to us specifically because we have created spaces where it's actually all right and acceptable to, to discuss women's bodies and issues that pertain specifically to, to women. Right. Um, so there has really been a sea change in the past, especially the past two years, because I think Rona has woken a lot of people up um, in regards to the connection between just allopathy mm -hmm. and uh, yeah, the connections between the trans ideology movement and transhumanism and technocracy yeah. and all of that stuff. So, yeah. 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 And it was like a perfect coming together of finding you as really my lighthouse in this time where I was like, is everyone a liar? Is everyone abusing women? Like what is happening? And being an eight on the Enneagram, which obviously you are too, my number one highest priority and value and commitment is truth. And I realized I was in a sea of bullshit, you know, in the LA birth scene and and medical midwifery obviously was just another extension of that. So yeah, you came in with all of this language to like clean the glass, you know, I felt so confused not having the language to it. And that's, I know that's one of your gifts and that's what's happened in the podcast too, is bringing language to all of this stuff that I was already feeling and, and like smelling, but I, I didn't know how to talk about it. Um, yeah. And then being, you know, creating this, this free birth society thing, being in this leadership position and you know, really coming up against needing to be very clear about how I speak about a bunch of stuff and having you just really mentor me through how you've arrived at so many of these really huge concepts that, like you said, absolutely intersect um, and your thirst for truth and your ability to articulate it just, oh my God. Well, our gifts really are so complimentary, Emily, because it was a mutual mentorship, as you know. I mean, I was floundering in the backwoods of New Brunswick. <laughs> <laughs> and I mean, I was- Give me your next know, book. <laughs> I was thinking about these things and learning about these things and, you know, immersed in my own little intellectual hermitage. Mm -hmm. Totally. <laughs> basically. And, you know, it hadn't really crossed my mind that I could actually make a living yeah. sharing knowledge and being who I am. And I mean, that's really, again, at the core of what we're presenting and offering in the school is that every woman can make a living being exactly who she is and sharing her unique uh, gifts with the world. So, you know, you brought your, your business genius and your incredible vision and your, you know, manifesting powers to into my life because I really hadn't even crossed my mind <laughs> that, that I could, you know, do anything other than, you know, make pottery and scrounge out a living doing the little, you know, doing birth work really is what I was doing. I was making pottery and, and I was attending births, but I hadn't figured out how to thrive. In that mm -hmm. And that's what you got into. Well, I was like, yeah, I mean, it was so complimentary. It is so complimentary because you had the intellectual, I mean, and experience, of course, of being an authentic midwife. And I, I always kind of saw it as like 
I created the shell, like I created the house and then you filled it, you know, you like brought in all the, the stuff, you know, the, the content and it didn't, you weren't going to most likely build your own house because of, like you said, your own little, um, whatever your caps were around that, you know, maybe you would eventually or whatever, but at that point when we met, you know, yeah. And I didn't have the, I didn't have the freaking 20 years of investigated, articulate, researched wisdom, really just the perfect, most perfect parent in the world, which is why I messaged you and said, we're going to be best friends because I fucking knew it. And so, yeah, so let's keep going. So then I'm having my first baby and I moved to Hawaii. You are, um, we're getting closer and closer. And around the time of Sunie's birth, or right after, like we had pitched the idea to each other beforehand. But once I was in Hawaii and had the baby, I remember that was when it was like, okay, let's put out an online course and let's do this thing because there's nothing like it. And we're going to take all of this amazing mountain of information and, and critical thought that you already had and were and put it into, yeah, this amazing course. And then we did that in like six months. I mean, I, I had already essentially written this enormous like compendium draft of, of what I was working on as, as a book. And so, yeah, we translated that into a complete idea. And then that does really well and up levels us in this whole new way because now we're making money in this whole new arena, like we were both already coaching and all of that. And the podcast was doing really well and you were starting to get pretty over your job. I remember that. Right, yeah, I was doing, I was kind of, um, I was sort of straddling these three different worlds. I was doing birth work um, pretty much full time. Um, and I was also working in academic administration, which was horrible. And that was almost full-time too. It was full-time, yeah. And I kind of managed to, I could sort of set my own hour. There were a lot of things about that job that, that allowed me to also do these other things too. And then I was also making pottery. Um, but yeah, it was uh, not, it, I was not living my dream life by any stretch. And I wasn't able to spend as much time with my kids as I wanted to. And yeah, it was really, it was really hard. And I'd made a lot of choices that had put me in the situation that, um, yeah, it just wasn't ideal. And yeah, it was just so amazing to be coached by you, especially just in terms of the possibility that, that existed, that, that I could create something completely different, not just in my work, but for my entire life and my family. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The Complete Guide to Freebirth, creating that with you um, and turning that material into a course was really, an, an immense turning point, I think, for both of us. Really. Totally. I'd never done anything like that before. Mm -hmm. I had literally just been going to birth since I was 17. I mean, I was a circus performer and did all sorts of other weird shit, but I was just going to birth. I wasn't like, I mean, I, I guess I did some education and stuff too, but I didn't do anything online until Free Birth Society. I was thinking about that yesterday with Saima around how grateful I am. I shouldn't say this on the episode, but how grateful I am that I went through my 
like early stages of birth work, not online, (laughs) you know? Oh my God, I would not want to be doing it now. It's just so weird now. There's so much lying. There's so much inauthenticity. There's so much misrepresentation of this work. And and then to like stand out and it's just, you know, to be new, it's a complicated arena now in a way that before it was like, when I was just working in my community, you're just new and you go to birth and you get experience and then you get more confidence and you just keep going. It was like so simple. You know, there's gossip obviously in 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 real life right that happens but not to the extent that the the online sphere can really just be this sort of like churning soup of I wasn't even thinking about gossip I was thinking about just like trying to prove yourself mm-hmm. you know like when I was just serving in my community it was like when you're I mean I'm what I'm trying to say is that when you're new at something that hazing you know that like initiation in the beginning where you're not good at it yet and you're not known for it women now are trying to do that on their instagrams and be new and stand out whereas by the time I got instagram I was already like a super seasoned confident birth worker do you know what I'm saying yeah I do yeah yeah and that's I mean that's something that we're kind of contending with as as elders as teachers because it's there's a dynamic there that exists with with some of our students as well did you just refer to us as elders i did i did elders and i feel like when are you an elder i don't want to be an elder not yet you have gray hair i do no i don't you could be my elder your elder um no i mean this is uh yeah, I think the complete guide to free birth is really important for us as well because it's for women, you know, it's for mothers and it's called the complete guide to free birth, but so many women have taken the course who are planning home births, even hospital births. I mean, it's just a really incredibly complete uh, childbirth education. Program. And there's nothing like it because it's all from your brain. Right. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Um, no, I mean, it's an amazing program for anyone who is um, about to give birth anywhere, anytime, in any way. But what that also brought up is that there's really no one supporting women in their authentic choices. Very, very few birth workers out there who are, well, very few birth workers out there, I would say, who really understand physiological birth and how birth actually works, um, who really understand how to as I say, hold space for women who are going through that process, which is, you know, it, of course, it's a physical experience, but it's really primarily transformational, spiritual, um, energetic. Um, yeah, and so I think what really started to become very clear, you know, is all the things that we've talked about so many times before about the, the important distinctions between um, free birth and birth that is supported and assisted. But the reality is that most women do want supported and assisted births. Um, and uh, there's just authentic midwifery has been you know, almost successfully eradicated the world over. 
Well, that's what I realized pretty quickly when doing all these free birth interviews in that first and second year is that most of the women shared, whether on recording or not, that it wasn't like their first choice. It was because they didn't have the option of support or so they believed. And I know that was true for me. I mean, I would have been very open to having someone like you at my birth, but that wasn't, you know, geographically possible at that time. And um, I didn't know anyone else that I would trust to not sabotage it. And so that, that was huge. I didn't know that that was what I was going to discover when I started interviewing hundreds of women around the entire world who were choosing free birth. And so often it was the second choice because the first one wasn't available, meaning to have, have authentic midwifery, having someone who's not licensed. And so, yeah, in that kind of second year of our friendship where the, or maybe it was by the third year, but the complete guide was out and a lot of women were taking it and also constantly our coaching ramps up and then constantly asking us, like, I took your course. I love it. I'm prepared to do this. And do you know anyone in my area who would come hold the space that, that you guys do? Um, and we just were constantly like, no, we don't. And yeah, so that really stood out. That was a big thing. I didn't, I didn't know was going to emerge out of the free birth community that we were in. Maybe you already knew that. I didn't know that. Um, and then starting to coach in this whole new level of women booking with us, doulas booking with us being like, and we were both having these experiences and didn't even know that we were both getting booked out for this same issue until obviously we talked about it, but we were both getting booked with so many doulas saying, I've been invited to a free birth, or I just went to a free birth and I need to talk to someone about it, or I'm, you know, got invited to a free birth and I don't know what the heck to do. And I'm scared, but I want to say yes. And I, I listen to the podcast or I follow you and yo, and I really resonate or, but I don't know, I'm completely unprepared. And so then it was in that year of 2019 and yeah, where we started talking and being like, we need to train women. We need to prepare women because doula. Yeah, no, absolutely. And that whole idea of, you know, I'm being invited to free births and I know I'm not supposed to do anything and I'm supposed to sit right. on my hands right. and like not do or say anything. But then, you know, this woman was in this situation and, you know, all I could do was just like cover my mouth and not say anything. Like it just so much confusion about what it actually is to support women in integrity. And, you know, all the labels aside, right? Forget free birth, forget midwifery, whatever. What does it actually look like and feel like to support women in integrity. I mean, that piece was completely missing. You know, there's so many missing pieces around responsibility, around what it is to you know, play the hero and play the victim. And this is all, these are all dynamics that come up constantly in this work. And unless you're completely clear on exactly who you are, exactly what you stand for, um, exactly what this woman wants and expects and what your relationship is actually founded on, you can't show up and serve uh, properly or with a sense of security. And I'm not saying the word safety on purpose, but we need to be secure in who we are so that we can actually show up clean because it's almost always appearing at a birth and not being clear 
on who you are and what your role is, is almost always at the heart of why things kind of go wrong. And, you know, that covers a lot of, a lot of bases, but um, this is so important. And, you know, I see this dynamic constantly, maybe even, even more so um, with medical midwives as well. You know, and I mean, it's, it's, it's all over the place. And it's really, this is at the heart of why there's such a complete lack of integrity in the allopathic sphere altogether as well. But that's a separate issue. But no, um, so much confusion around how to actually serve women. And, you know, on one hand, it's very, very simple. And on the other hand, it's really complicated because right. there's a lot to it. confused on some level. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I think some people will project a lot of confusion around how free birth society could also have a midwifery school. And I'm happy to clear that up here because if that feels confusing to you, then, then you've really missed the point, <laughs> right? Like some women- Confusion around like, how can free birth society charge money for a birth education course? Oh Free is in the title. <laughs> oh my God, I know. I haven't gotten that in a while. Free birth society, more like expensive birth society. <laughs> Yo and I have often joked about publishing a book of all of our troll emails and texts and we probably never will, but my God, there's some good ones. That would be the bestseller though. It really would. <laughs> it really would. Well, the trolls are by to see if they made it in the book. <laughs> and actually to go back a second, when the complete guide came out, you know, that was one of our initiations into online uh, drama was in, in our own group in free birth society, which was, you know, at that point, like 7,000 women. And we released the course together and we were so excited and so proud and and we had taken a year to create it so it was like blood sweat and tears and sacrificing time with our families and it was just such an incredible output of time and energy on our part as well. mm -hmm. oh yeah it was amazing it took so much effort I remember I remember waiting till Johnny would get home from work from his full-time job and then I'd pass the baby off and go downstairs and go in the basement and shoot the videos and then yeah just I mean it was it was constant Anyway, um, yeah, and then what, what we were both so shocked to, to realize was there was a, some women were celebratory, but there was a portion of women who immediately attacked us. How dare we? How dare we put something out that had a price tag? How dare we? And that, that was very surprising. I didn't know that that went down like that on the internet. I, I still felt so new to um, like the larger community of birth workers and the, the just enormous commitment to scarcity and comparison and jealousy. And wow, that was kind of, I mean, I look back now and like the shit that we get for having the nerve to have a school is like a whole next level. But that first thing, just literally putting out an online course of your work like it wasn't even like we borrowed it you know it's like of our videos and our blood sweat and tears like you said and we created a thing that we wanted to sell <laughs> that, that no one had any obligation to purchase either it's not, not. it yeah. was like 
you're keeping this from indigenous women. That was some of the hate mail. You're, you're, you're stealing and keeping this from indigenous women. What? How? how? <laughs> because it's not fucking free? That doesn't make any sense. Anyway, that was, that was a really interesting learning curve. It's really funny to think about that now because right? time, I was really like, it hurt and it was, it affected. Totally. You know, about everything you know I was worried and it just and 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 talking about it now it's it's really quite fascinating and very just quite delightful to realize how much we have shifted out of even remotely registering any of that totally. like doesn't well, matter. I remember from that being like okay well we want to do the right thing and and like of course we want to we want to create access for poor women of course and so and so, okay, I'll set up a scholarship program. And so I did. And then the scholarship program ran for about a year and it was re repeatedly abused. And it, it turns out that because of course women, I'm not like asking for their tax returns, you know, women would apply and be like, I'm poor. Can I have the scholarship? Basically, I mean that's the nuts and bolts of it, and we would be like, yes. And so we gave tons of free courses out, and it turned out that there were many, 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 many people who had done that and had lied and had either. I mean, there was everything from selling. Um, you know, they like gave the material to reporters and journalists when the first whole drama thing went down in Facebook. Um, there were women who. Um, you know, said they were poor, and then it turns out they like wind up in the in the group, and I figure out who it was, and they totally weren't, and they just had lied and used you know our generosity and all sorts of stuff, all sorts of weird weird abuses of of you know a well intended scholarship program, and because it wasn't like in person and doing interviews and da da da, da so we scrapped that and we dropped the price. It was 600. We dropped it to four and created a payment plan and said, that's that, you know, and we were willing to, yeah, try it on because we don't know. We didn't know how things are going to go. And yeah, we were both so new to money on the internet all the while though, back to the, the RBK stuff. Yeah. Our, our, well, and then we go through the whole drama with the baby dying in the Facebook group. And that was gnarly, not really. A story that needs to be told here but you know I'm sure lots of people have heard of it and the very very short cliff notes are a member uh lost her baby and it was not the first time that it had happened in the in the group of course there were 7,000 women in there but um trolls had infiltrated the space at by that point and I hadn't known how to you know how do you deal with that we hadn't figured it out or I hadn't figured it out whatever and so trolls who were in who were in there with sock accounts were actually a part of anti-home birth groups, which I didn't know any of this until it unfolded. But yeah, the short version is they the woman shared about her loss and um, they took it and it blew up and they sold the story to bloggers and journalists and it went crazy for about six months. Mm -hmm. um, Although I still, I still periodically receive messages from people who, who, who feel the need to remind me that, that I, I've killed babies. Yeah. 
Totally. Some of our students have gotten that. Create the course that was free for people to purchase that. It makes no sense. Topic of childbirth education. Like it really is, there's no, there's nothing really there. Sorry, I interrupted you. Um, you're, you were mentioning our students. Oh, just that, yeah, some of our students have have dealt with people, you know, DMing them being like, you're killing, you're killing babies by supporting birth outside the system, you know, stuff that, that we're used to by now. Yeah, anyway, so that that harassment gets me off of Facebook. And it was one of the hardest times of my life, personally, you know, death threats, um, rape threats, constant, sometimes 100 a day, it was insane. Uh, but I wouldn't take it back. It was such a awesome initiation into this path, into leadership. Uh, and I have to say that I'm very proud that I turned lemons into lemonade because I took that and made a proprietary network that has a fee and where everything's vetted. And, you know, now it's a freaking six figure income for me and my family. And I, and it's an amazing space and I'm incredibly proud of it. And it's, it, it might not have happened, certainly not as quickly, if I hadn't have experienced the toxicity and um, harassment of Facebook. Yeah, anyway, so, so that's happening. We have a crazy six months. You're getting attacked, both of us. It's just absolutely wild. We are, it's just really dark and scary and confusing. Neither of us had ever dealt with anything at that level. Um, and then... Then we come back together and figure now we're off or I'm on Facebook, you know, we're out of that group, we dissolve the group, and all these articles had been written about us. I mean, we were in like every freaking publication and it was all just slander. It was so crazy. And yeah, it got pretty dark there for a minute. But like I said, I mean, at this point now, I wouldn't, it took me another six months after things had calmed down to be able to really say like, I wouldn't take it back. Um, and that but was- really helped to build our audience massively. Oh, totally. I mean, this is, it was free publicity really uh, in, in many ways. And I've had so many women uh, reach out to me and say, you know, I found you initially through one of these horrible articles oh, yeah. called you a baby killer. Um, and initially I was like horrified and disgusted. And then I started to look into who you are and I started to read some of your material and I've realized that you're not that at all. And that actually the work you're doing in the world is amazing. Thank you so much. You've completely changed my life. You've shifted my perspective on birth and motherhood. So yeah, that a lot of that has, has, um, has occurred as well. Well, it created, it created a filtration system for us, like a vetting system just like having haters and having people, you know, talk shit about us constantly on the internet. Like, I'm so grateful for it. I really am because anyone who's going to roll with that consciousness will stay there and they're not going to pay to join our membership. They're not going to pay to have our coaching. They're certainly not going to pay to be in our, in our school. Um, and what it has done for us is that when women pass through all that filtration and still see us and resonate and want to be with us, they're mature, badass women. Like the women that have come into our lives through this filtration process, like you were just speaking to, are very high caliber women and they can see through it. And oh, it's so refreshing. Yeah. And, and you know, for me also, for me coming towards the end of those months of attacks, 
at the beginning of 2019, is that right? Yeah, because then DR is 2020. Um, coming out of the, the winter, that was the marker for me when I returned to the tools. And I had totally lost touch with the tools during this whole dark six months of attacks and stuff. And then I had done a session with my mentor and I told her a little bit about what was going on. And she just in one freaking breath brought it all back for me. She just smiled at me and said, we were on a zoom and she said, I wonder how all of what's happening will be for you. And I was like, how dare you? <laughs> how dare you suggest that being, you know, having people say they're going to kill my child could be for me. And, and I was kind of defensive about it. And then she was like, yeah, you might not find it now. Sometimes when you're really in it, you don't find it, but at some point you might get willing to find it. And I couldn't shake it. And I knew something changed as, she, as soon as she said that. And then I remember that night staying up at night and being like, could I really try this on that this could be for me? And it, absolutely brought me back home to my commitment of the tools. And that was the marker of when I started to bring tools into my coaching, which I had never done before. And for some reason, they had always just been like my own tools. And I'm referring to the conscious leadership tools. You guys can go check them out on conscious.is. Um, and it's from the 15 commitments of conscious leadership book that I often reference and that we have a whole module in our school about anyway. So that was a couple years ago. And that bringing Returning to that in my own life in a real committed way and then bringing that into the coaching for me had a lot to do with um, the, the origins of the Radical Birth Keeper School because it, it became a whole branch, you know, of the school that that is one of the pieces of why the school is so freaking unique from anything else, you know, no midwifery school is teaching birth the way you do, is teaching self-mastery schools, and is teaching business the way we do. Yeah. Anyway, so that was a that was a, a really intense six months that then turned into all this inspiration between us. And all the while, you know, we're we're coming out of that. We're our coaching is totally blown up, you know, both of us independently. And we're both selling this coaching uh session called radical birth keeper session so we were both you know teaching or doing those those coaching and then that was when in that year that we both realized we have a whole we have a huge thing on our hands where there are so many doulas and medical midwives totally disillusioned with the system and with their paths but also want to do what we're doing and we actually kind of have a problem here because a ton of women are inviting totally unprepared doulas into their births and it's not going that great yeah, and doulas don't, yeah, exactly. Um, but also so many doulas and, and midwives and birth workers, however they describe themselves, who don't know how to actually thrive and make a living. Right. This. Um, and there was just such a huge opportunity to share what we had learned through the process of creating this online platform, these online spaces, these online offerings, because that really has been such a key for us is, um, you know, combining in-person birth work with the immense um, opportunities and, and possibilities that come with uh, creating online content and, and online coaching. Yeah. Yeah. So I want to be clear that free birth 
and authentic midwifery are sisters of the same consciousness, right? They're not, it, it's all, it's all allied. It's all complementary. They're not the same thing. You don't have a free birth if you have an authentic midwife there. You don't have a free birth if you have a doula there. You know, the very, the very point of choosing to hire an expert in birth negates the entire concept of free birth. And I will admit, I'm sure I've contributed to the confusion of that because I've had some doula attended free births, you know, on the podcast and all of that, um, you know, but whatever, <laughs> whatever. Yeah, no, I mean, it's not, we're, we're not, we're not making these distinctions so that we can police other women. No, of course. Rates, right. I mean, women describe their births in, in however way they like. Um, it's important to me to make the distinction because they're so different and because they both have so much value and because especially uh, authentic midwifery is so important to me. I want to be participatory in this amazing revolution that we're, that we're, we are participants in, which is the resurgence of what I see as authentic midwifery. And um, yeah, distinctions are important. I mean, they're, they're different experiences and what really, what really brought those distinctions home for me was when I had my first two births, they were attended by, those birth experiences were attended by um, a truly authentic, independent, um, underground midwife who had to, for legal purposes, call herself a traditional birth attendant. Uh, and my third birth, third and, and all of my subsequent births were free births in that I had no one present with me who was in any way an authority in birth, no one who had had any training in birth, no one that I was paying to you know, be present in any particular capacity. Uh, and those experiences were completely different. In every single one of my birth experiences, I've had moments where you know, I look up and I look around for help. I want help, I want someone to you know, reveal something to me or give me some kind of lifeline or, you know, offer me some kind of, um, you know, sense of, of, of being saved. And when there's no one there other than yourself, it creates a completely different experience. Um, and it, that, that just brings up so much. And so that was one of the reasons that I feel like it's, it's very important, you know, that my own lived experience. But also, I started to become much more attuned in my birth work to how my own presence completely shifts the atmosphere for a birthing woman. Um, and that's something not to uh, vilify, you know, it's not a problem, that's not, there's nothing wrong with that. But unless we're aware of it, and unless we hold immense respect and, and really reverence for our own energetic imprint on this experience, um, we can't, we don't then, then have sort of the, the power to, um, to support women through that and, and to be cognizant of how we're affecting her space. So, Which creates that whole women being invited and then being like, I'm scared to do anything because I don't want to disrupt her. It's like, girl, you don't understand anything about why you're being invited. She wants you there, you know, yeah. but, but you've in- affected this, You've already affected the energy right. of the space. And if you're there, out of integrity, if you're there afraid to right. 
step into the role of guide when it's appropriate. If you don't know when it's appropriate to step into that, that space of real guidance, which is important at times, it does come up for, for a while. Then you, you you're not like you're you're in you're not only ineffectual but you are making you are endangering I would say actually this this mother's birth process you're you're creating a situation that um, yeah that can can become that you're you're creating a, a a context where complications can arise simply from that mismatch in energy simply from that misunderstanding of your role. Right. And a woman inviting you there because you are a proclaimed expert in birth and then you show up afraid and totally not confident and totally unclear of how to be in the space. What a terrible dynamic that must be, you know? And so, yeah, I want to go back to what you just said, because also any woman having multiple births, you know, it's going to change and morph. Like in that first birth, as with most first time moms, I really desired somebody who, as I already shared, wasn't available, didn't exist in my realm um, of possibilities. Whereas with my next birth, and we'll see, you know, obviously I might shift, but I love the idea of just being alone with my partner. And, and it feels really different when I imagine this stage of my life and who I am now in my family. And it, it feels like I feel a lot of curiosity around what it would be like to just be alone with my partner. Whereas my first one, I invited my sister and my friend and, um, and obviously he was there and, and I would have had you there if I could have and, and on and on. So, you know, giving space to, I think it's so hard for some women to understand that this isn't a hierarchy of choices and that one is not better than the other or any of that. And also language matters. And there is a distinct difference. We're not saying it's better or worse, but there's a distinct difference when there are no hired experts there and something different emerges. And that piece of what emerges is very interesting to a lot of women. A lot of women we know, including ourselves, have chosen that to discover who we are when there isn't a hired expert there. That's interesting. Now, someone else might be like, that's terrifying, I don't want that. Or, I just want to be really well supported in this way or whatever. And I think that there is a way to, um, there's a way to straddle some of it. If you're a really, really good birth worker, if you are really an authentic midwife, there is a way to show up in the birth, not be, a, it can't be a free birth now because you're there and she's going to look to you and that's beautiful and that's great. And that's why you're invited. And you that's why you're an option for this woman who's chosen you and she will look to you and she will want you to save her. And if you are skillful and if you know how to hold that without creating a hierarchy or getting on the drama triangle and thinking you need to save her and playing hero, you can hold it in this really beautiful integral way that doesn't actually take anything away. And that is what we're interested in. And that is at the heart of the entire school. And it's why it's one of the reasons we don't spend a lot of time talking about the hormonal blueprint or the physiology of birth. Like it's in there, it's in the school, but it's not the, the focus because we want to talk about who the fuck are you and can you actually show up? 
and understand how to trust yourself, what is here, what's drama, what's not, what's your agenda, are you willing to actually play this role? And do you have any idea how to, how to actually do it? You need to have, like really our school in many ways is a philosophical school, you know, and a, and a psychological, you know, school. It's, it's, it's less the nuts and bolts of birth because you could just read a book and discover that. It's like the stuff that nowhere else is talking about how to actually um, be in alignment with yourself and your surroundings so that you can be called on and not fuck it up. Exactly. Yeah, no, the key is really um, to understand that, you know, women can't be saved. And in those moments of you know, existential crisis that every birth involves, um, reflecting to the mother the power that she has within herself to to move through this process is um, and that it's fine like who doesn't one of my girlfriends um I won't say her name on the podcast in case she doesn't want this shared but one of my girlfriends she took the school she called me in her final hour of birth last week and she called and said I mean I didn't know she was in her final hour it was obvious she was pushing but you know I'm on the phone and she was like my bladder's coming out my bladder's coming out <laughs> it's just so sweet and like of course your bladder's not coming out you know and this is birth this is the existential crisis this is looking for problems this is free birthing your first baby and not knowing who you are when you're in the upside down part of of transition or or you know it could be a different part for different people but for a lot of women it's transition and yeah it was just so beautiful and such an example of you know why we need each other and why we need to be able to show up without fear and why we need to um you know be able to like like how you share in this school just be like yeah yeah totally and not need to fix it, not need to save it, not need to band-aid it, but that actually thinking you're going to die or thinking your bladder's coming out or whatever is the thing that you're gonna make up is not to be fixed. It's actually a required part of the spiritual initiation into motherhood. And when you know how to hold that and literally not even be afraid, but actually lean into it and hold it so well that she then emerges going, I did that nothing got taken from me. I walked through that. I was full of doubt. I fought and screamed. And then I had my baby, not the midwife saved me. I couldn't have done it without you. We do not need more, you know, more, what's the right word. We don't need more savior midwives out there convincing themselves and the women around them that they were needed. How boring. Yeah, I mean, my, my goal at a birth is, um, yeah, to have the woman emerge to tell me that next time she'll do it on her own. <laughs> she appreciated my support, but, you know, she'll do it on her own. To really invisibilize right. myself as possible. Like, it's not, and that's a big piece, too. I mean, there's so much ego wrapped up in, uh, in birth work for, for a lot of a lot of women, and you know, we hear all the time too, um, midwives who tell themselves the story that they can show up at a free birth and like put their training aside. And like, if not, that doesn't, that's not within the realm of- That makes no sense. 
yeah, I, I came across this um, this meme the other day on again on Instagram. Um, Midwives keep birth safe by recognizing when help is warranted, and that's really um, kind of the antithesis of how we're we're approaching this work. Um, so condescending. So condescending. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean the idea that that midwives keep birth safe is just. It's really, uh, well, it's the whole, it's the whole lie. Trust birth and trust women as long as I'm there. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Gross. Yeah. And, you know, you mentioned our, the, the focus of the school isn't really on the, it's not, you know, we're, we're not, we're not going deep into anatomy. Um, but I think having an understanding of the physiology of birth in relation to the hormonal structure and all of that stuff really is important. I think a lot of midwives don't don't fully understand that. So yeah, I mean, midwives keep birth safe by recognizing when help is warranted. Okay. If you believe that you are essentially making a statement that negates women's authority over their own physical experiences. And it also reveals that you don't know anything about birth. Exactly. Which midwives are constantly revealing. Anyway, back to the school. So, so in 2019, we start to dream up, gosh, we really need to combine forces and bring forth a program that can help prepare the women around the world who are being called to attend birth outside the system. Because from, from, I mean, the podcast to our communities to, you know, everything that, that has kind of exploded from this free birth society stuff over the last four years, it is happening in a really big way. I mean, women are free birthing more and more and women are um, doula-ing free births more and more. And so yeah, we basically saw this huge kind of weird, like, oh, we've really taken up this this movement to a whole new level you know we're not people that invented it but we've certainly taken it to a new level of our time you know as the leaders of it and we need to tend to this other part that's unfolding which is that women are not prepared women are asking uh doulas and midwives to play a role they have no familiarity with and what can we offer of how to yeah how to prepare the women being called um and, and like you said, language is so important because we are so invested in returning authentic midwifery, you know, to, to communities around the world in every way that we can. And the school is, is our big offering of how to do that. Um, and it's important to us to not say you're attending free birth because if you're acting in the role of an authentic midwife, we need to claim that and take that back so that people understand what midwifery actually is. And more and more too, just the obstetric system is really crumbling. You know, I mean, it's always been in sort of disaster mode, but especially over the past couple of years, more and more women are recognizing that they don't want to be giving birth in hospitals. But not only that, they also don't want to have their birth sabotaged, their home birth sabotaged by well-meaning but fully indoctrinated um, medical midwives as well. And so you know, all of these kind of influences are, are really, I think, coming to a head right now. Um, and Rona has, you know, it's, it's accelerated a lot of that because now there are so many insane rules and regulations in addition to just the normal sabotage of birth that exists, um, that occurs in the, in the system. 
Um, and more and more women too are out of necessity. I mean, I think it's always out of necessity, but more and more women are recognizing that they need to leave these broken systems. So we've had uh, nurses take our program. We've had doctors, medical doctors take our program. We've had uh, regulated midwives take our program because they're seeing that their credentials are actually meaningless and what they really need in order to serve women and to support themselves is an education that's actually integral. And of a new paradigm. Exactly, a totally new paradigm. You know, I'm thinking about one of our recent graduates, an amazing uh, medical doctor who you know, shared with us during the last week of the school that, that our program was so much more significant and so much more whole and, and real and useful and actionable than were her you know, 12 years, she said. 12, 12 years in medical school, yeah. Yeah, and I mean, that's, that's lovely. It's very complimentary, but also, yes, it's really very true, you know, it's, I, I, yeah. Yeah, and it's so fun to be on this side now with over 250 graduates and see that in just a year and a half, women are attending births all over the world. Women have coaching programs. They are doing in-person circles and retreats and, um, you know, couples, couples education and they are putting out the ripples you know of what of what we taught them and, and showed them and gave them the roadmap to in their own unique ways and their own unique flavors and it's actually happening like every woman that I know that's graduated the program who wants to attend births outside the system is and there are so many women who are using what they learned in our curriculum which is very very agile and very movable they're implementing uh, what they learned in in multiple different ways as well not not solely birth work so we've had women who've graduated and who have started amazing businesses focusing on uh, gender ideology uh, amazing businesses very successful businesses focusing on um, you know, womb work and energy work and women's circles and, you know, not, not only birth work as well. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, totally. A lot of community leadership stuff, mm -hmm. teen, teen girl education programs. It's right. Cool. Awareness has been. Yeah. Okay. So what else is there to say before we wrap? So then we got clear on it. We started dreaming about it and playing with it. And then we met up in Dominican Republic and just spent a couple weeks laying naked in the sun, dreaming it up together and writing notes and just dreaming up, like, what do we do? What are the things that we bring forth that, that we've learned along the way? And it really became like, what, what have we learned just the hard way, <laughs> having no mentorship and what would it look like, or you had some mentorship, I didn't have any, um, you know, what would it look like if we, in the beginning stages of our birth work, had a school? Like, what would be the things that we need to know and hear and see and learn? And, you know, what are all the things, we looked at all the things, all the mistakes that we had made, all the births that we had been to that, like, we didn't show up well, and all the ways we had been out of integrity, and that we had messed up businesses, and we just looked at all of it. And it was such a, a big, intense process, because it really was like diving into our deepest 
lessons that we have learned along the way um, and then turning them into, gosh, just, just such a dense, incredible, so, I mean, it's just, it's everything. It's like the best of everything that you and I have come to, to know is true about, about women, about birth, about relationships and, and allyship and, you know, the tools and all of your incredible, you know, all of your incredible, all the stuff I talked about earlier, critical thinking and well thought out concepts that, that a lot of people don't have the, the guts or the mentorship to have ever thought about, you know, you bring into this school in such an incredible way. And it's, and then, and then what's so fun, like with anything that, that when you bring women together, kind of, yeah. So we, we have our whole thing, we put it together and we put it out and, and the women come and we sell out our first round. And the part that I always love that I don't account for because I'm not in control of it is all the magic that the women bring. Oh my God. <laughs> you know, And then all of these women from around the world come forth and are like, I'm here for this. I'm here to be your sister. I'm here to learn. I'm here to also teach you. I'm here to, to be my best self with all of you. And that piece, whoa. I mean, that is, I've made, we have made some of our best friends from women coming to this school and they've changed our lives in so many ways and taught us so much about what we're doing and how to teach it and, and how to rework it every round and just such freaking magic when a group of badass women come together. Oh my God. It is really magical. We have managed to attract really the very highest caliber, most intelligent, most fascinating, skillful women that I've ever come across. And we definitely do bring, I mean, I'm, it's, it is a huge commitment to show up and teach this program because it's 12 weeks of intense focus. Like, I think, to be honest with you, I underestimated how, how much energy it would really be to, to show up and, and to teach this school. Like, everything else in my life falls away. Yeah. I'm entirely focused on this group of women for 12 weeks. Um, but it is so magical and it's, I mean, I honestly feel like this is an investment that I have made for the future of my children, honestly. This is a completely, I mean, it's everything that I ever dreamed of. It is such a dream to be able to receive emails from women in, you know, all, all, from all over the world and to say, yeah, actually, I think I do have a woman that I can recommend to you. Um, you know, I had, uh, we've got over 35 countries now. It's amazing. It's really, really amazing. And to hear the birth stories of women who've been supported by graduates of our program. Um, you know, I, uh, there's a woman in my private membership and she was pregnant and, um, she reached out to me and she said, you know, I'm just not interested in hire. I'm not interested in even interviewing anyone who isn't a graduate of your program. So can you, um, you know, can you send me some names? And, you know, I sent her four or five names of women who are in her area, which is just that in and of itself. I know. I know. Like, like she had women to choose from who had graduated from our program. Anyway, she ended up giving birth recently and had an epic five day long birth process that just this was her first baby. She was 42 years old, which I also love so much. Um, she'd had a completely wild pregnancy. So she had received support from 
uh, one of the, the graduates of our program, but she hadn't seen a doctor and hadn't uh, you know, had any interactions with the industrial obstetric system. And she called me the day after she gave birth and she just, she, she thanked me for having created this program with you because she received such incredible support from her lab keeper. And it was just so incredibly gratifying. And it's, it's really, it's, it's a dream come true. It really is. It's amazing to know that, you know, my daughters will be able to have someone other than me at their birth. <laughs> oh my God. The other day, I didn't tell you this. The other day when Suni woke up, the first thing she said was, will you be at my birth when I, when it's my time to have a baby? I was like, I'm holding you to it. I'm holding you. Can't change your mind. No take backs. You're three. <laughs> no, I made her, I made her say it again. I was like, what? And she was like, when a baby comes out of my Yoni, will you, will you be there to help me? I was like, ah! <laughs> oh, but yes, exactly. Yeah. yeah. I'm using it for our daughters on so many levels too, right? Because not only are there women out there who can support them, but because of who we are and the work that we're doing in the world, Sunie and Treva and Zampi are also, you know, receiving biosmosis, what we know to be. Yeah, totally. Yeah, I mean, Treva is my birth attendant, so mm -hmm. I don't know if I can't qualify. <laughs> all right, we gotta go. Yeah. We gotta go. We could talk about this all day. There's like so much we didn't, we didn't share, but that's good for now. Yeah, I'm so proud of the school and, and the women who come and what we've created. And, and like you said at the beginning, I just kind of want to bring it back to that, you know, what, what one woman can do, all women can do. And, and our dedication to this and our own lived experience, you know, for so long, even before we knew each other and our unique experiences of me working in the system and then just freaking stumbling my way out of it and figuring it out on my own and your amazing mentorship with Gloria LeMay and having children so young and then never working in the system, like such unique, different paths. Um, and then finding each other and choosing collaboration and choosing sisterhood and choosing to deal with all the ups and downs of being really, really good friends and in business together and aligning our, you know, our work and our paths and money and just all of the stuff. It's not like it's been um, easy at all. You know, parts of it have been easy and parts of it have been hard and, and we keep choosing it and it's totally worth it, obviously. Um, and I do, I feel so proud of, of us as women to have chosen in some ways, a harder path of choosing collaboration, long distance collaboration, um, and then seeing what we could do together and putting, you know, combining our forces, combining our power that is so completely rooted in our, our completely shared values and devotion to mother baby. You know, I'm just so, I'm so grateful that I got you in this life. <laughs> I mean, really, like you've literally changed my life. You know, I mean, could you imagine what our lives would be like if, no. if I hadn't have just randomly heard you on that podcast, you know, and, and then like convincing you to like me and get on a Zoom with me <laughs> so that I could show you that I was legit, you know, and just, wow, like we've completely changed 
the trajectory of each other's lives through our own, yeah, ultimately our own collaboration and, and willingness to have that collaboration and go through the muck and confusing parts of it. And I'm really proud of what a success story you know, and how we've stood in the fire together and how we have gone through gnarly attacks together and just, we have been through some shit and we're just totally standing in our joy and in our success. And, and I'm just so proud. Thank you. I love you so much. <laughs> uh, all right. I love you. I love you too. So enrollment is open now. If you are hearing this in the time that it is open, which is up until the end of February 2022, and it's going to be an amazing round. It might it might be the only round for next year for 2022. We don't know yet. Um, yeah, just join us if this lit you up and you want to get mentored by us. We are just so here to pour our hearts and souls into supporting you to become an ally of this work, you know, and it's just so beautiful that, that the community that's been created as an extension of this, how that is thriving and something that we did not have, you know, five years ago, that is so, so helpful, you know, as an understatement, but that we have hundreds of sisters around the world doing the same work together and all supporting each other and oh my gosh it's just like the most epic reciprocity of it's just so beautiful yeah anyway so join us radicalbirthgiverschool.com i love you yo thank you thanks talk soon And that's it for today, my sisters. Check out everything we do, including one-on-one -on -one and group coaching, learn about our private membership, in-person retreats, and more on freebirthsociety.com. Our online courses are on freebirthsocietycourses.com, including our flagship course, The Complete Guide to Free Birth. Don't miss the Radical Birthkeeper School if you're ready to become the authentic midwife that women are searching for. Together we rise and the revolution starts inside each of us. I'll leave you with our Free Birth Society theme song, Wild Woman by Aruba Red. I honor you for the wisdom you held, the ancient traditions of plant medicine and womb magic. I feel the spirit of the ancestors as I place my hands upon my belly. This sacred portal will be honoured. Eons upon light beams of survival withstanding the eradication of our power by design. I will not allow the separation of our young to be forced upon me. My sisters will no longer birth in captivity. The picket line redefined from burning our wild women to paralysing us and drugging our babes. Strapped down in a clinical white bed, drying up the milk from our breasts, keep your needles. My family will never again be doomed to chase those dragons or your poison. We reject your fear. We choose love. Everything with intention. Death, ascension. I will fly and bring her back from the start. Conscious conception.